Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with author and podcaster Matthew Garnier. He recently published a comedic memoir about his religious upbringing, Swept Up, Lessons from the End Times, with tales and lessons from church, homeschooling, and a few strange years in a major evangelical university. In addition, he has hosted nearly 100 episodes of different podcasts, but has enjoyed the very few guest appearances on other shows. He's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. What's up, Joe? Matthew, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm excellent. Nice to meet you. Dude, great to meet you. Love your show. Excited Thank to you. be here. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So where are you located? I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay, right on. Yeah. Um, North Carolina has been popping up on my radar quite a bit. I hear it's really lush out there. It's just people say it's so green. You don't understand green until you've been there. It does have a unique color palette, definitely. I've, I've noticed even a bit of a difference from city to city. It's also well known for uh, the pollen, and um, yeah. but yeah, weather weather is generally great. People do move here for the climate, pretty often. Right on, right on. What else is what? What's your area known for? It's known for uh, Fort Bragg, okay, which now called Fort Liberty. Um, so that's kind of that kind of defines the the local population. I like, uh, it's, it's got kind of a historic vibe, which is cool. Yeah. And it's just a low key place to live. I'm pretty happy here. That's cool. You know, the thing that's interesting about America, especially when you go to Europe and you go to other places, it, those places are drenched in history. So when you can get to a place in the States that has that history to it, cause you know, you have all these little small towns with downtowns and they have a long history, civil war kind of thing, but, I'm glad you said history because there's something charming about that in America when you feel that. Yeah, for sure. And I think you mentioned Europe. They like they do a great job generally of preserving that. And sometimes it gets lost, you know, in the just I don't know, retail space and everything that visually pollutes yeah. certain certain cities, you know. So I I came from northern Virginia, so I've seen a lot of that too, where it's like, man, I can't even tell what this place was yeah. before, but you know, it's uh it's the way things go, I guess. Absolutely, it is. So let's get into modern living here. And the first thing before we get into your life as an author and a podcaster is surviving COVID. The last three years really did a thing on all of us. How did you get through it? And how has it changed the way that you do things now? Oh, man, that was an interesting time in my life with or without a pandemic. I uh, I was living and working uh, around my, my alma mater, which was a conservative Christian school um, at that time. I, I, I went back there to, to podcast, to work, to take some classes. And there was, you know, kind of a, a growing divide ideologically between where I stood and probably the, the norm there. But I, I sort of wanted to challenge that and have people challenge me. And that was kind of part of my interest in being there. But uh, I was... Also, just in terms of professionally, I felt like I, if I wasn't able to achieve the things that I wanted to do on a professional level or things that inspired me or that were gratifying, I'd rather go the polar opposite and just be something very pious and humble. So I became a janitor, working full-time as a janitor as as COVID began. And uh, it was really, to me, an interesting time. And I don't know if, if other people remember it this way, but I felt like there was there was this moment where um, dogmatically political people were still trying to figure out 
which side their respective parties were going to be on. Yeah. You know, like who was going to take what position. And so in a, in a very conservative circle, there was this like, are we going to be the heroes of this thing or are we going to resist and deny? And so there was a few weeks where that was just a very strange, but fascinating dynamic to me. But ultimately that, you know, the, the janitorial staff, I can't believe I'm even talking about that, but it was just too interesting to look away. Like took it very seriously. And, uh, at the same time, everyone was vacating the school. So we're, we're cleaning all these empty buildings with this intensity. And it, it was kind of surreal. Uh, but at that same time, I had just uh, completed a, a year-long documentary project that I knew was kind of going to be professional kamikaze because I was calling out a lot of things, both to do with the university and the religious identity and the job itself, which... It was not the most professional thing to do, but I didn't care for my job that much anyway. So uh, I ultimately was fired in the sequence of events, you know, stemming from that. And whether or not that had to do with it, uh, well, I was, you know, I was trying to make a name for myself in other ways. As, as young people often do, I, I wanted to become, I, I wanted to leverage the chance to gain some uh, some following online, right? Doing absolutely whatever I could. I was already a podcaster. I was like, let me try some other things. Let me make shorts. Let me make uh, comedy, TikTok, whatever. And it it became really depressing. Uh, I I didn't I didn't handle myself well, and I'd always struggled with anxiety and depression, but it got really really bad to where I I wanted to die wow. in the in the first few months of of twenty twenty. And, uh, got to the point, you know, after trying to just take every natural approach possible where I was like, clearly I need to be medicated. I mean, there's, there's just no way around this. And I'd really resisted that for a long time. But, uh, shortly after I moved back from that school in Southern Virginia, I moved back to Northern Virginia, started medication. And that was, uh, it, it ended up completely flipping my life around. Like I went from afraid of everything, including, you know, panic attacks and all that. I had this fear of fear itself. Like I was just immobilized. I didn't think I could hold down a normal job or anything to uh, almost frighteningly audacious, <laughs> willing to try anything, able to do things, you know, able to function very normally and like shocked that that was the reality most people live in, I guess. And, uh, got a normal job, started, started dating, did, you know, just everything, but then sort of slipped into a different kind of funk and, uh, life was just sort of a little monotonous. I was very content, but, um, maybe it was what somebody who doesn't have clinical depression would call depression, where it was just like, I'm just coasting here, you know? Uh, it did not help that I got about a bout of COVID that lasted for five or six months. Um, I mean, not contagiously, but where the, the effects linger for a very long time kept me, you know, mostly, uh, confined to work and, and home just cause I didn't have energy. Uh, it was in a bit of a brain fog and I really wanted to start doing something productive. I'd already started, you know, 
putting together notes I wanted to be writing, but just wasn't the most inspired, didn't have the most clarity. And eventually realized if I want to, um, if I want to really, you know, get moving again, uh, you know, I might have to go off meds. Right. And, um, so, you know, there was a sequence of events eventually led me back to North Carolina. Uh, the, the, the COVID fallout cleared up and then I, I started buckling down on writing and, and found that that was more productive than, you know, little one-off projects here and there. So, uh, a lot of stuff there you might want to dig yeah. into, but that, yeah. that was, the, that was the last couple of years of my life. That's the basis. So when you were growing up, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Well, I, I used the tagline inventor. That was how I summarized, you know, that I wanted to be a creative person. And I, you know, I, I was always very inspired by like picture books and stuff. So I, I'd seen a few inspirations. Rube Goldberg, in fact, the guy who made the cartoon drawings of these like chain reaction, very absurd, you know, uh, drawings that that was an inspiration for me and and i took it seriously enough that i would study materials from like the patent offices in dc to try to figure out exactly how i'm going to do it you know when i had an idea i would i would be very serious and clinical about it so um you know i went from drawing up inventions like that would get a utility patent and then eventually decided I wanted to open a theme park. I drew the whole theme park blueprints and everything. Um, of course, like every, you know, young athletic boy, I wanted to be a professional athlete yep. in every sport, you know. Um, but I was always, always interested in writing as well. I did write a lot of short stories and, and poems and things like that as a kid. And that's the thing that never stopped. So even, even though, there was never a point when, you know, I was hired to do that. That was some, that was the thing that I always felt like, this is what I do, you know? Um, even, even in the stages of it, of it, where I didn't necessarily enjoy it. I was like, this is the thing that I feel like comes most naturally to me. So, you know, I can, I can grind out some writing in just about every format, but that, that creative energy that made me want to be an inventor, that's always there. So if we kind of go back to more your beginnings, the, the memoirs about a comedic look at the, the spiritual underpinnings that you've gone through. Talk to me a little bit about how you finally got to a point where you put it in that context and made it into a memoir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I started compiling the notes and, you know, thinking through these ideas from the perspective of uh my my personal struggles with anxiety with depression and and wanting to convey some of the uh some some of what has and has not worked for me you know not not like a self-help book in the sense that i know what frees you from from these afflictions because i haven't achieved that but to try to you know give some some meaningful insight and it just became clear as I looked through, you know, as I thought through my, my personal history, like religion has played a major role in that. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I associated my anxiety exclusively with religion because it was themes from my upbringing in church that I would latch onto. I had very thematic anxieties. It wasn't, it was the opposite of generalized. It was 
based on very specific ideas, um, which ranged from, or I guess progressed from the idea of death and eternity and, and where does our soul go? Um, which was, you know, answered in black and white terms, you go to heaven or you go to hell. And then, uh, it became all too real when that was put in terms of, well, it might not actually wait until you die. There, there's going to be a rapture that might actually be coming very, very soon. The rapture referring to the second coming of Christ, where everybody, you know, that everybody's to be judged then and there. And, uh, just the idea of salvation was, was not a, I didn't associate that with redemption from anything that I clearly felt I needed to be saved from except hell. Right. So even, even if there was a lot of loving language around it, it didn't feel like a comforting loving concept. Yeah. So I didn't realize that, that I had anxiety separate from that until like in my teens when I had anxiety around other things, uh, social anxiety and, and all of that. And, you know, it would still hit on really, really specific topics. But to me, that was my life was always framed around biblical, religious, spiritual ideas um, at, a, at a very early age. So it's something that's, that was and always has been running in the background, maybe the foreground in a sense. It's kind of like all I could think about while trying to have a, a normal childhood Um and and the the circumstances of my childhood were wonderful. You know, I had a good, stable family life and all that, and and friends. And um, I yeah, I've talked about my homeschool education quite a bit, which was not a bad thing at all. You know, it's unusual but not bad. And but I realized, you know, in talking to people, they find a lot of the stories and experiences from that really funny. You know, and and I like taking the comedic angle. to these things. I think that you can actually extract a lot of value from framing things in terms of just the humor. Like some of that stuff is hilarious. Just telling it some of it, I think I'm, I'm able to frame it in a way that, that, you know, at least makes it makes heavy stuff a bit lighter. Yeah. Um, and then not for the purpose of like making it therapeutic or easy to, to hold down, but like, because it is, and like, that's, you can highlight the contrast between things by, by, by focusing on, on what, what, what strikes at the core of it. You know, that's what comedy does. Yeah. So yeah, I, I enjoy that angle. That's awesome. So who's been kind of a role model for you in your life? A hero. I've had a lot. I, I, I've never like pinned it down to, to one person. Um, but there's people who inspire me creatively, uh, that, that I'll sort of go through phases of really, modeling myself after, or at least my, you know, my creative style after, um, when I was writing this book, someone who'd been very influential to me was the, the podcaster comedian, Pete Holmes, cause he wrote a book that, uh, approached his upbringing in a similar way. And he, he had all of those, all, uh, so many of the same experiences, but most importantly, the, the same, uh, mindset towards it, which really just reinforced that that this is a common thing. Like, there's a, there's a certain set of events or traits that, that can happen in someone's upbringing that produce this almost identical persona in adulthood. And he expressed it so well 
And, uh, you know, he was just so lucid in the way he explained that in, in podcasts that followed it. And, um, so, you know, content with accepting the uncertainty in life. And that's, you know, that's a big, big theme for me because everything was based around the idea of knowing for sure. You know, when I was a kid, that was, that was the, the common denominator of the struggle. And so, um, so not only Pete Holmes, but others that, you know, inspired him have also inspired me, you know, like Alan Watts, it's a bit, bit of a more mystical figure. And then there's the very rational figures, you know, like Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens, you know, not to go exclusively for atheists, but they, they, they helped to counterbalance a lot of the very religious side of my, my influences. Who would be a dream guest that you would have on your show? Well, the funny thing is I, I made a list of dream guests when I was, when I was living in, in, uh, in Lynchburg and I ended up getting to have two of them on. They were, um, I'd, I'd heard these two guys, James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian on, on Joe Rogan's show. And it was, it was just fascinating. I'd never, never heard them before. never heard of them. And they were famous for the, uh, for, for the, they called it the grievance studies affair. It was this series of hoax academic papers that they wrote and submitted to journals just to see if the publications that are basically responsible for, for giving the, the approval of like, this is citable academic work. If they would be hoaxed by something that just used a lot of the same kind of language, but was fundamentally absurd and perhaps even totally counter to their values. So they were writing about preposterous things, quoting sources that should never be quoted in an academic (laughs) journal and submitted this stuff. And now they, they came from the position of that they were liberals trying to preserve their own party from eating its own tail essentially. Cause they saw like, they felt that the, the culture of um, not just cancel culture, but a, a lot of it, there was a, a religious element, quite frankly, to the way that, that the left was operating in a, in a not classically religious sense, but that there's like um, kind of, kind of they're creating rules that aren't, democratic that aren't actually applying critical thinking. And, and so they were, they were trying to, to um, expose something that, that they thought was a, you know, a threat to, to uh, free thought and, and they were somewhat successful in it, but they had some really good insights on, on other things too. You know, um, we, we talked about religion quite a bit and, and how that permeates all aspects of life. Um, so they were, I mean, yeah, they, they were, they were wonderful. That was, and that, you know, I was, I was in a very intellectual headspace at that time. I think now if I, if I kick off another show, uh, I, I'd want to, I'd want to have more, you know, just sit and shoot the breeze kind of, kind of conversations with funny people and entertainers and whatever. Bo Burnham, I, he's a, he's a big influence for me. Uh, he's a comedian who who does a lot of you know, I love lyrics. He does a lot of lyrical stuff. And um, he he did a special during COVID while I was also trying to dabble in comedy. He much more technically proficiently uh, put together a special completely inside his own house that was 
an amazing look at manic creativity, I would say. <laughs> manic with a, a big taste of depression as well. And then he recently put out a special that was just like an even further inside look at that special, which I just love that. I love going behind the scenes of what makes, you know, creators tick and do their thing. Absolutely. So at this point in your life, what are you the proudest of that you've done? Wow. Um, on a personal level that I simply that I continue to feel like I'm improving as a person, because there's been so many times that I was like, the, it's the most I can do is to simply survive. But somehow every, every depression, I, I feel like I find a way to, to make the, the fire refining and, and to become better. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, things that I've done, created, it's, it's honestly, I, I like the, uh, I, I like the smaller like video projects and things that I've done sometimes better than the stuff I've done in, in long form. You know, every time I spend years on something, I end up doing something in the aftermath of it. That's just like, you know, a, a quick little ditty that, that I'm like, man, that's cool. Um, and that doesn't always correspond with what other people like, but you know, I like that stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of having, having written a book that I can stand behind that I can say, I, I really didn't uh, cut any corners here. And, and I said what I meant and it, it wasn't easy to say what I meant. Um, you know, I, I, I knew that there was going to be some tough conversations to have, you know, in, in the wake of that and that it was going to ruffle some feathers, but I, I've, I've lived my life honestly. And I think that's something to be proud of. That's something that's, it doesn't always come easily. You know, even if you want to, it, it can be hard to really be honest with yourself. It takes a lot of thought, a lot of introspection, sometimes a lot of solitude, but I've managed to do that. I think. So ultimately at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, you know, your readers, your fans, family, friends, but you are in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Well, I've said, I've said before that I think I'm kind of defined by contradiction, you know, because whenever I get too comfortable in one thing, I sort of push back against that and try to develop other aspects of myself. The value that's most important to me, like I said, is, is to be honest and transparent. You know, I, I really I want to think of myself as somebody who articulates ideas well, you know, who, um, who can, who can speak to a person's needs, you know, who can basically bring, bring value anywhere. But, uh, at some point it might be more beneficial to actually find my lane, you know, and really pick what I am. It's, it's kind of by necessity, I think that I've been an all things to all people kind of person, but, uh, maybe that's a gift in itself. I'm, I'm a little undecided on that still, but you know, I, I, I have a, I have a soft side. I have an intense side and I try to try to nourish both. Um, but man, it's, it's like you said, every, everybody has a different perception and yep. my own perception may not be more valid necessarily. I, you know, sometimes I'm deciding what I'm going to be on a given day. Am I going to, sit down and write poetry or am I, you know, going to present myself as some kind of hard ass, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Three phases. Yeah. 
Well, hey, if anyone wants to pick up the book or listen to the podcast, where can they go? Um, yeah, so I have a SoundCloud or, or Spotify, I guess, is what that streams to. Um, you just look me up by name on Spotify or YouTube, Matt Garnier. Uh, the the book is on Amazon. It's it's also on the Spotify, but it is on Amazon as both a, a Kindle book and a paperback. Swept up lessons from the end times. And if I you just it. search "swept up," you'll get a lot of Miley, or a lot of Hannah Montana <laughs> results for some <laughs> some book that came out years ago. But use that use that uh, subtitle "Lessons from the End Times." Right on, man, Matt. This has been great. Thank you for opening up. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate you taking time out today, Joe. Thanks so much to you, man. Keep it up. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>